Good morning. Did anybody else find it difficult to get up this morning? The sun didn't come out. It's like the sun's like, ah, I don't wanna, I don't wanna do it today. So it's like really dark and just yuck. On days like that, I feel like I'm super loud. Am I super loud? Oh, I'm gonna be. Oh, get ready. So, uh, yeah, when, on days like this where it's like dreary, I just want to stay in bed and sleep. So, good job, guys. Way to be the people that get up for church. I'm going to need y'all to be more responsive. All right. Yeah. Yay. So, um, I'm really looking forward to baptisms after second service. Uh, if, you've, if you've thought about it, like Larry said, it's time. Do it. It's, you won't regret it. If you are thinking about it and you wait... There's where your regret's going to lie and say, oh, I wish I'd have done it sooner. So don't have regrets. All right? All right, Randy. Okay, cool. So uh, we are in the Gospel of John. Started the, I started two weeks ago, really, but last week we did uh, the beginning of the Gospel of John. Uh, this is the book that says it was written so that you would believe. Um, and so uh, I, I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, this is, uh, so last week we talked about how Jesus is the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, today, um, John the writer starts talking about John the Baptist, two different Johns, important that you know that, um, and John the Baptist uh, is this like wild, crazy disciple, and we get this like beautiful example of what we're supposed to be like wild and crazy. So, are y'all ready for that? Good, I don't care. So, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We're in the prologue, what's called the prologue, the first 18 verses. Uh, I'm going to jump around a lot today. I'm going to go past the prologue, and then I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to speak out of Matthew 5 and Matthew 11 and, and, uh, and uh, just a bunch of different verses. So, if you're following along in your Bible, just uh, get ready to flip pages. So, uh, he was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Um, so, skipping forward, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So this is, this is John the Baptist, different, again, different uh, than there's two Johns here that we're talking about. It's, it's really important that you know that because there's times where uh, when he refers to John, uh, like the disciple that Jesus loved. I love how later John calls himself, in the, when he's writing the book, the disciple that Jesus loved. Like <laughs> Jesus' favorite person was me. Like, if I was writing the gospel, that's what I would say. Like, right? Like, isn't that what you would do? Like, Jesus loved me so much. Like, I was the best one. And there's a time where they're, like, running, and, like, the, the fastest guy got there, and it was me. So uh, it's really cool. So uh, John the Baptist is a really interesting guy. Uh, he's a great example. In Matthew eleven eleven, Jesus, what Jesus says about John the Baptist. Now, Jesus is describing this guy. Wouldn't you love if Jesus would describe you as the greatest human being that ever lived? Like, that's how big of a deal it is. He says, I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Like, that, what higher compliment ever is there than Jesus saying? So if Jesus says this guy's the best one to ever live, I think 
it would be really wise of us to look at the, the indicators of what made him so great, right? So all four Gospels start out their story by talking about John the Baptist. The Jews believed that there was this present age where sin runs rampant, where Satan is in charge, where uh, there's death and destruction and brokenness. And then they believed that there was this age to come where uh, God's going to come in and, and wipe all of that away and bring and redeem everything and bring joy and peace and prosperity to human beings all over. And the first sign of that coming age would be the arrival of Elijah. And we get that from the, uh, the Italian prophet Malici. Are y'all, are y'all awake? It's a Malici. It's Malachi. Sorry. I didn't know y'all weren't awake yet. Uh, Malachi chapter 4. It's the end of the Old Testament. The very, very end. And the last verse of the Old Testament. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the, of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. 400 years of silence follows this. There's nothing for 400 years. Um, And so the Jewish people were looking for Elijah to come to usher in when the Messiah is going to show up. Are Are you following me? So they're all watching. They're all kind of watching out on the horizon, kind of like we are now. We're like listening for trumpets. Like, is that a trumpet I hear? No, that's a siren. Like, and we're like, we think Jesus, especially looking at our culture, like Jesus could come anytime now. Like last year when all the things were happening and then another thing happened and then another thing happened. Okay, it can't get any weirder than this. And then another thing happened. And then, okay, this is it. Can't get any weirder. And then we elected a president. And it's like, oh my goodness. Like, it can't get any. And so, didn't you think, all right, Jesus is coming. Like, this is it. Jesus is coming. Like, it could be any minute. And so we're kind of watching on the horizon. And that's what God's people were doing. The Jewish people were kind of watching on the horizon. And so uh, John is saying that, that this Elijah figure, that the one that you're, you've been looking for to usher in the Messiah, that, that guy's already here. He's actually arrived. This phrase, sent from God, is such a beautiful, beautiful phrase. Whenever you just, like, if you would just take a step back and think about this, we don't deserve God to give us any attention. And yet, it's, it's beautiful that God would want to send us stuff. And he would want to do things that were not just these easy things, but he does these, these over-the-top, extravagant things to bless us. He sends people to us. How many times in your life has someone come along and said just the right word at just the right moment. God sent them. God sent them for that. And so um, it's crazy because when he sends John the Baptist, he didn't send John the Baptist to a people that were ready, that had, okay, now they're looking, now they're doing good, now they're figuring it out. So I'll go ahead and bless them. It says that while we were yet sinners, we were at our worst, and that's when he blessed us. That's when he sent. And so even though we're, even though we're a people who almost exclusively think of ourselves. We try to think of others, but, I mean, when you wake up in the morning, your first thought isn't like, let me drop to my knees and pray and just thank God for everything. Like, your first thought is, where's my phone? I got to check my messages. Like, am I the only one? Y'all do that? Oh, it's just me. Well, pastor confession time. (laughs) Uh, So uh, he doesn't, uh, even though we're very self-centered, he doesn't strike us dead, which is what we deserve. 
Um, he, it's like the prodigal son story where the father sees the son coming back and he, and he runs out to him, which means he was watching for him. And it's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so this is what we get in Christianity is this great idea, this great thought that God is continually sending people to us and he's continually sending us even though we're not worthy. And so John the Baptist was the celebrity pastor of the day. Like he was the Stephen Furtick, the who are some other, like Mike Todd or Craig Rochelle. He was the famous, like he had the most, John the Baptist had the most Instagram followers back in the day. And so everyone loved him. Everyone would go out to hear what he was saying because he was this wild man that they were like, man, this guy, there's something about him that's just attractive. And it wasn't his appearance. I'll show you in a minute. It wasn't his appearance. There was just something that was attractive about him. And in and, and verse 19, it says, and this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed very clearly. He said, I am not the Christ because they were, they were putting that on him. He's like, I'm not the divine one. I'm not, I'm not the one that you're looking for. I'm not the Messiah that he's coming and he's coming soon. And, and so he's not the one. He's, he was just clearly saying he's not the one that you're supposed to build your life on. There's someone else coming that you're supposed to build your life on. And, and they asked him. Uh, he answered, no. They said to him, who, who are you? Wait, did I skip something? Oh, okay. And they, they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he said, he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. We're going to get back to Isaiah in a minute. It's a beautiful story how this, this lines up. And he, uh, now they had been sent... They had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And so you see what John's doing. He's saying, hey, look, y'all came out here to worship me. You came out here to listen to me. How often do we have celebrity pastors that are accepting the worship of men? And that's why they fall. I mean, you see it, you can see it in the Bible, you can see it over and over. The reason they fall is because they accept the worship of men, though they would never say it, what's going on in their heart. Like, uh, someone sent me something, one of my former students sent me something this week, and he said, hey, is this weird to you? And he showed me two celebrity pastors that had all these bodyguards, and they had both of them, they're walking towards each other, and they have like three or four bodyguards around them just so they can go and talk to each other backstage. And I mean, I understand to a degree that a lot of people want to come and, and meet them, but listen, the day I get a bodyguard, y'all can come shoot me. Please find a way to assassinate me. Can y'all do that? I'm telling you right now of sound mind and body, if I ever do something like that, feel free to shoot me. Okay. I was really expecting, uh, Chris is actually one that could shoot me, so I, it <laughs> makes me a little uncomfortable. He was the one that yelled okay. So John the Baptist, he, he's, he's, John the writer is saying, look, you're not going out to worship John the Baptist. John the Baptist is not the one that you're supposed to build your life on. He is pointing to the one, that, and he's very clear about it. He's not trying to accept anybody's worship. Um, he wants to make sure that they're not basing their faith on celebrity because it happens. It happens now 
often. You cannot take, do not take any pastor's word at face value. You compare what they say to the word of God that never changes. Whether it's somebody that you're listening to online or whether it's me, please. I mean, I don't even have to tell y'all that with me because y'all do it anyway, often. And you're like, I get messages all the time like, you should not have said this. Like, and I mean, it's never Bible stuff that they're coming at me. They're like, look, this is, the culture is saying this, and you said this, and like, you're a jerk. I'm like, okay, I'm a jerk. Like, I love that y'all keep me humble. That's why I never, I'm never going to accept any of y'all's worship, because y'all are never going to try that. So it's great. So your faith, this seems like one of the most basic things to say to someone, but your faith has to be focused on Jesus, period. Can I help you in your faith? Absolutely. That's my job. Can the people around you help you in your faith? Yes, absolutely. But be very, very careful that your mom or your dad or your mentor doesn't ever get any part of your worship. And you say, no, I would never do that. I'm very careful. Really? Have you ever known any, anyone that is a leader in the body of Christ who has failed? And when they fail, a lot of people turn away from God. That happens all the time. And so you can't look at, you can't even look at the church and say, okay, this is what Christianity is about. You have to look at the one behind the church, which is Jesus. And so if you're, you need to think about this. If your mentor, the, the spiritual, the, your spiritual mentor, whoever you look up to most spiritually, if they were to have an adulterous affair or they were to turn their back on God, what effect would that have on your faith? And that's where you have to be careful. You understand? Are y'all following me? Okay. So we have to look at the one behind the church, the one who is the rock, the one who the church is, is about. And so John, the writer, is trying to get us to focus on the right person. In Acts 19, says, and it happened while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland, inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. What are you talking about? There's, we didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, and that's Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were baptized into John's. They were, they were disciples of John, not disciples of Jesus. So they were in the wrong spot here. And so... Paul says, hey, you're following the wrong one. It's not about, it's not about John. That's a, a baptism of repentance. John had this ministry that was preparing the way for the one who you should be getting baptized into. And so he says, now let's, let me baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the Son is Jesus. And so he baptized them in this it's cool, different sermon altogether. But he said, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Before that moment, they didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And then they got baptized, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, those are the, being filled with the Holy Spirit is another experience altogether. Y'all, are, y'all, are y'all still following with me? Okay, so, but we're not talking about that today, so don't even think about that. Unless you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Anybody? I can do it like a, we were talking about Benny Hinn earlier. I can do it from here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, John's gospel continues to reframe what it means to have real faith. Again, if I ever uh, th- uh, hit somebody with my jacket so that they will be healed, feel free to shoot me. 
That's just not my thing. Like, and I'm not saying those things are bad or evil. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying I would be acting. And the moment I come up here on the stage and I start acting, feel free to go somewhere else. And also, I need y'all to just bring your guns to church so you can shoot me. There's so many things I'm telling you. Just shoot me. So John's gospel, he's reframing. Uh, he's brief. I better stop saying that because I know that many of you actually probably. So uh, humility... Humility is what defines faith. Now, we're going to talk about both sides of the coin here where uh, John was very humble, but he was also very, uh, very aggressive and knew exactly what it was that he was supposed to do. So uh, in John 1, he says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came, to, uh, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light. He was a witness. He was not the light. He was a witness to the light. Um, and and uh, since he was not the light, he came to, to bear witness. And later on in the story, he says, I'm a voice. I'm not the thing. It's like if you hear a siren, you don't think the siren is the ambulance. You think the siren is coming from the ambulance. The siren is pointing you to the ambulance. If, you see a, if you're going down the highway and you're hungry and you see a sign that says the restaurant's coming, you don't go eat the sign. The sign is just pointing you to the restaurant, right? Please. Like, whenever I say right like that, I need y'all to, like, right, amen, hallelujah. Don't start doing that. That's going to be weird. Later, John says, uh, he must increase and I must decrease. And there needs to be more of him and less of me. Like, in your life, there needs to be more of Jesus visible and less of you and your personality and your way visible, right? So, it's because the universe, when you start to realize the universe isn't about you, it's about God and his glory, everything will change for you. It, it actually, it's not a thing where you're like, oh, I'm just, I'm such a terrible person. You get freed from carrying the weight of the direction of your life. Because when it's you and you're the one that's, that's ordering your own steps, then there's a lot of pressure to make sure that you do the right next step so that the plan that you have for your life all works out. And whenever you give the control to Jesus, you don't have to, all you have to do is worry about doing what the next step is because he is ordering your steps, not you, right? Right, right. amen, hallelujah. <laughs> the glory of God versus the glory of ourselves in the world. Glory means weight. And so when the glory of something is it weighs more than the glory of another thing. Like um, the example I like to use is like the glory of a rock. If you throw it into the water, the glory of the rock is heavier than the glory of the water, the weight of the water. So it displaces the water and the rock takes over. The glory of God should be heavier than anything else in your life. It should be bigger than your glory. And if it is, then it displaces your glory. And what people around you, what the world around you feels is not your glory and how good you are, but the glory of God. And that's what it should be about. Your glory, your influence, and your weight should be nothing in comparison to the weight of Jesus in your life, that, that he is directing your steps. And so what is cool is in, in being humble, he gives this symbol of baptism. There's no way to look cool and be baptized. Have y'all seen that video where just recently, it's, it's like a viral video, this girl gets baptized, and then when they bring her up out of the water, she's like, have y'all seen that? It's so funny. 
She, I mean, there's no way to look cool when you're baptized. I remember when I got baptized, I, it was in the middle of the night, and I told this story recently, but it was the middle of the night, and I, they put me in this, like, prison jumpsuit, and it wasn't at prison. I didn't get, I didn't get baptized at prison. I've been. I've visited. I've been. I've been locked up. Anyway, it's a long story. So um, I, when I get baptized, they, they put me in this, like, weird jumpsuit, and I don't even know why a church would have these weird jumpsuits, uh, but it's, apparently they have baptism jumpsuits that you wear. But they're the same ones that you wear in prison. Like, they're the same clothes. And so I don't know if it's supposed to be Prisoners for Christ or something. It's, it's like something cool like that. But uh, So he said, all right, Randy, why do you want to be baptized? And I'm like, uh, I love Jesus. I don't know what to say. And so there was no way for me to look cool. And there, there's, it, I just knew that... It wasn't about me. My life isn't about me. That I wanted to die, the old me is dead, and the new me is here. And the new me is the one where all of my identity is found in him. And that's what I wanted. That's what baptism was for me. That's what it should be for most of us, I think, that, that we're identifying with him and not doing our own thing. And so uh, there's a famous uh, philosopher of our day that says it this way. I'm nobody telling everybody about somebody. Capital S, somebody. Have you all heard the famous philosopher? You can sing it if you want. It's a song. Okay, so uh, humility is the only way toward clarity when it comes to your faith because you have to decrease so that he can increase in your life. But it's not all about humility. Um, Being humble is just half of the the battle. Being humble so that you're not in control, that you're not controlling the, uh, the wheel. You're not holding the wheel. It's just half the story. So John didn't just sit at home being humble. And then Jesus said, you know, that guy was so humble. He is the greatest human being that ever lived. He did some stuff too. There was more to it. He was, John was always on mission, always on mission. The mission was what was driving him. And so we can naturally think too much of ourselves. And then whenever we realize, oh no, I think too much of ourselves, we flip it so fast. And we're like, I am garbage. I am a worm. I am nothing. That's just as dangerous as thinking too highly of yourself. We are sent as testifying to the light. We're not the light, but we don't sit around and do nothing because if you are reflecting God's light then and you're, you're hidden, you're not being of any use. You're not on mission. You're hiding. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are empowered through Jesus and the Holy Spirit's work in our life. to start. We start in a place of unworthiness. When you came to Jesus, you knew there was no way you could get to heaven on your own. You come as, and you start at a place of unworthiness. But then you hear Jesus, Jesus' declaration of your identity and who you are. And then you're empowered and, and animated to accomplish the things he's called you to by the Holy Spirit and, and by his words of pushing you forward, right? So that's where we should be. We are, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. And he is empowering me to go forward. And so John the Baptist faith, I love this guy because he is a wild, wild man um, and whenever I look at his life and I look at my life in the reflection of the way he lived, I'm like, well, maybe my faith shouldn't be so clean cut. Maybe my faith shouldn't be so 
organized. Maybe my faith should be a little more radical than it is. If you're bored in your relationship with Jesus right now, you are not following the same Jesus that John the Baptist was following. Because, uh, again, when we look at him, I'm not telling you you should do this, but I am telling you you should be radical in your faith. Okay, John took a Nazarite vow, which means he ate wild honey. He wore like these crazy clothes that were uncomfortable. Um, He had these long dreadlocks. Um, They say he would have had like six or seven long dreadlocks. His beard would have been so long that he had to put it in a sack on his side. And it was just, he would just, he was looking scruffy. And people would come out from miles around to hear this guy speak because he had this like radical discipleship. It wasn't safe discipleship. He was, uh, I think that Christianity, I heard this quote recently. It said, Christianity over the last 2,000 years has moved from a tribe of renegades to a religion of conformists. We were once a people, we were once a movement, and now we're a religion of conformists that we don't want to rock the boat too much because people won't come to Jesus if we're like too out there. People won't want part of that if we're, if we're not. We have to be seeker friendly. No, the truth is what matters most. It matters more than anything. And people aren't going to like that. There are going to be people that are never going to come to Jesus. And we have, to, we have to do everything we can to draw them into that relationship. But there are some people that we're just never going to win. And so we have to realize that, that our, faith, our faith really shouldn't be safe for the whole family. Like, it shouldn't be rated G. It should be rated R. And I don't mean rated R for, like, vulgarity's sake. I mean rated R and, like, this is intense. This guy's faith is intense. This girl's faith, like, she is all about it. Like, it's scary but exciting. Like, I want to know more about that. In, in Rocky, he comes to Rocky, who was this hungry fighter, and, uh, and his, uh, the, his trainer comes to him. He's like, Rock. I'm not going to do the impression, but he's like, the worst thing has happened to you that can happen to any fighter. You became civilized. And that's what's happened to Christianity. Christianity's gotten civilized. It's like it can fit into culture and not change culture. It can fit into people's lives. They can add, they can have their life and just add some Christianity to it and nothing changes. It's just, it fits. It's boring. There's no risk. There's no adventure. Look, you should be rattled by Jesus because he is after your whole life. He is after your money. He's after your sex life. He's after your married life. He's after your single life. He's after your friendships. He's after your job. He is after every part of you. And so you should be rattled by him. He should be affecting every single part because he wants it all and he wants it forever because that's what he bought. That's what he paid for on the cross. He gave you your eternity, and he said, I want, your, I want the rest of your life because you have a job. You have a job to do right now, and that, you're never going to retire from that job. We are, we are called, we're supposed to die with our boots on. Like our last day, we should have been ministering those few minutes before we died. We should have been in ministry those few minutes before we died. There's no, there's no season that we're working towards land. Like in your job, maybe, your career, maybe you're working towards retirement. You're not going to retire as far as ministry goes. You may not have a job in ministry at some point, but you're not going to retire as far as ministry goes because you die with your boots on, right? I think we've, 
We have a whole generation of safe, soft, cushy, nerf life Christians, and it's because of comfort. We live so comfortably. We we have our finances set. We have, we have running water. We have cars. We have air conditioning. We have a beautiful home. We have a job. And so we're not going to risk all of that for what? Like, what if no one listens to me? What if no one comes? What if no one listens to, to me preaching the gospel? What if, no, what if I, I risk these things and do what I feel like God's calling me to do, but it doesn't work out? If you aren't directing your steps, what's it to you? Why do you care? If you go out and do what, what you know that the Lord's telling you to do and you fail, then don't you think he'll pick you up? Don't you think he'll still make a way? How many times have you already failed and you know he's still directing your steps? When, uh, whenever I was in, uh, in high school, I didn't have a car until um, the second half of my junior year. I walked to high school every single day, and I walked home from high school every single day. And it was two miles, which doesn't seem like that long, but it was in Houston, and I was dodging bullets, like, whoop, whoop, people shooting at me all the time. Not really. Are y'all? That's a little funny. I mean, you don't have to, like a full laugh, but like a partial laugh or something. When uh, I finally got a vehicle... I was like, like, I was all about it, and I cherished it because I knew what it was to not have. I knew what it, I knew what it was to be poor and to walk, and, and, and it was very, very difficult. So because it was difficult, I had this hunger. I had this like drive in me to go, and we don't have that drive anymore in our faith because we're comfortable. Like, we have all the things we need. We have all the things we want. So why would we risk those things? John the Baptist knew that it was a war, that there was a war going on for the souls of mankind, and he was going to do everything he could to get people saved. And he took these radical steps. He understood that it takes radical steps. He wasn't worried about his comfort. What he was worried about was the eternal comfort of others. And so he, he wanted to do what God wanted him to do at any cost. And, and it, was, uh, it was an adventure uh, it, was, it was rated R. It wasn't rated G. It was uncomfortable. And it, it, was, not, it was not safe for the whole family. I have been, when, when my kids were younger, I walked into several situations because of my faith that I was like, my kids are unsafe here. I need to get them out of here. I, I, you would be very hard-pressed to find a situation where I would be uncomfortable walking into. Like I could literally, I could walk into a crack house and I would feel perfectly comfortable um, ministering the gospel because I know that the Lord's directing my steps. I have, I have no fear when it comes to dealing with unsafe people. Like it excites me to be around people that are not Christians. But there are times where I'm like, my kids are unsafe here. I dealt, uh, I, I ministered to a lot of gang members um, and there were times where I'm like, I got to get my kids out of here. It's unsafe. Our faith, our faith should be unsafe for, for everyone because we're radical believers in Jesus. And if you can't think of a time where you, you were physically unsafe, then I just want to challenge you. Put yourself out there. Be physically unsafe somewhere. Don't be stupid, okay? Take Chris with you. He's got a gun. You'll be safe. But be somewhere where you're like, oh, I wish I had a gun. Not right now. Like, 
but with the Lord directing your steps, okay? If somebody gets shot this week, I swear. I want to I wanna share this last part with you. This is, this is really cool um, how when the Lord is directing our steps, we think we know what it's about. But uh, I think that, that right now your, your view of what Jesus is calling you to, is, is it's about to change in the next few minutes, okay? Uh, in Matthew 11, it says, as they, as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowd concerning John the Baptist. He said, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by, by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. We wear soft clothing. We are making our life about comfort. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. The, whenever he says that, that John is a witness, that's the word matrios, which is the word we get for martyr. Um, John was in jail at this time. And so when, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Jesus, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, and they sent, he sent them to Jesus to say to him, are you the one who is to come or shall, we, or shall we look for another? Isn't it crazy how earlier John, who's, he's not a perfect man, but he was called by God. He was a prophet. And so earlier, John very clearly knew that Jesus was the one that was to come. He says, I'm not even worthy. The guy that's among you that I'm not even worthy to untie his, his sandals. And now he's in prison because things in life weren't lining up the way he thought they were going to line up. He thought he was going to preach the gospel and everything was going to be cool. And so now he's in prison. He's like, well, was it Jesus? Was he the one? And so when Jesus answered him, Jesus answered him, and he's, he's quoting Isaiah 35 whenever he answers him. He says, um, and Jesus answered him, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. And now when John's hearing this from the disciples, the, from his people, as they come back and they tell John, uh, this is what Jesus said. Jesus says that the, 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 blind see, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, and the, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the goodness. And John is like, John's saying it with them. Because he knows what the verses say. He's got Isaiah 35 memorized. Like it's a very famous verse. And John's like, yeah, and, the, and the, the, the good news is preached to them. And the next verse says, and, and the, the, the prisoner shall be set free. So as soon as John heard him saying this, as soon as John heard, he's, he already jumped to the end. He's like, oh, yeah, because the last verse of that says, and the prisoner shall be set free. And so John's saying it with him. He's like, yeah, yeah, the, the blind see and the deaf hear and the, the lepers are clean and, and the prisoner's set free. But they didn't say the prisoners are set free. John thought he knew what was coming. John thought he knew what his life had laid out, and he said, but they didn't end with and the prisoner was set free. They ended, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. John was ready to hear, and the prisoner set free because that's what he had expected. That's what the verse says. That's what he knows, that the prisoner set free. And Jesus is saying, John, buddy, I'm not coming for you. I'm not coming to get you. You're going to die in prison. I'm not coming to save you. In the end, you will be saved. But in your life, it's not going to be comfortable. In your life, you're going to be in prison. And, and I'm not coming to take you out of that because sometimes your discomfort causes other people to be saved. 
Sometimes when you put yourself in, in uncomfortable positions or God puts you in uncomfortable positions because it's not about your comfort. It's about other people's eternity, right? In Revelation 12, it says he doesn't come back until the full number of those who are going to die because of his testimony, because of the testimony of Jesus is, is fully reached. And so there's still work to do. Jesus isn't going to come back until all of that work is done. And, and we're focused on our comfort. We're focused on, on we should exist. Life Church exists for the people that aren't here yet. That's what we're about. Like we've been building a, a base of believers that can minister to the community. And now I'm telling you, minister to the community. That's what we're about. In this next season, our church better get messy. If our church doesn't get messy, then you are not doing your job. I've always said that I want, I want our church to, to do whatever it takes to reach the lost. And I, I told you that whenever I start preaching the, the John, whenever I start our, going through the gospel of John, I want you to invite unsaved people to church. I want you to bring unsaved people to church because an unsaved person could hear everything I just said and they'd be like, okay, I want some of that. Like, what is that? I want some of that. Like, I want that radical faith. I want to have that because that will change everything for me. I, the way I, I see our church being is, I've said this a bunch of times, but is one-third, one-third, and one-third. One-third mature Christians who get it, most of you, mature Christians who get it, who, who are pouring into new Christians, who are, are using their life to minister to others, and then one-third new Christians, baby Christians, people who have just recently gotten saved and they're still figuring it out, and then one-third thug life. One-third D-O-double-G thugs. Okay, one third of the, I want one third of the people in here to be like messy. I want them to be moving chairs around. I want, to, I want them to like light up a cigarette and I'm like, hey, bro, like you can't smoke in the building. Like I want that. I want people that come in that smell like alcohol. I want it to be uncomfortable. I want it to be messy. I, I don't want this, I don't want this cushy nerf life. That's not what we're about. We need to be about getting, seeking and saving the lost, getting people into that relationship with Jesus because that's what John did. It was messy and it was gross and he had dreadlocks and he was dirty and that's what I want. Don't be dirty. Like, bathe. But bring people who maybe didn't. Bring people that's uncomfortable. Amen? God, we thank you so much. Uh, that you called us and you set us here in this community for a purpose. And we know, Lord, that that purpose is to seek and save the lost. That, that we know that, that because of the style of church that we have, that people are going to be drawn to it. Because of the, the great people that you've called to, to join up, that people are going to be drawn to this place. And we, we want to be people that are equipped to handle that. And so wherever there are things in our life that are off track, we submit that to you because we want to be used by you to minister to the community, to draw people into that eternal relationship with you because that's all that matters to us. We know that people can get to heaven drunk. We know that people can get to heaven sick. We know that people can get to heaven with their life in terrible order, but they can't get to heaven without Jesus. And so we want to give them Jesus. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.